Welcome, podcast listeners, to Positive Input. This is Jeff VK with Nick Urso. What's good? And today we have Sam Lister on the show. Hello. Sam is a 19-year-old entrepreneur from Greendale, Wisconsin. He started his first business when he was 19, Blank Slate Media, which is a founding video company. And Sam is actually a very interesting character. Sam went through a lot of ups and downs in getting into this space and a lot of trial and error, even though he's only 19. And so today, we're going to go dive a little bit deeper as to how Sam got to where he is today and some of the challenges that he faced when starting up and where he plans to go in the future. And with that, I'm going to open up with you, Sam. Yeah, how's it going? Thank you guys for having me on. Um, little backstory from Greendale, Wisconsin, small suburb, about 15 minutes southwest of Milwaukee, downtown Milwaukee. Um, started business right out of high school, not going to college currently, don't plan on going to college and kind of skipping over that to teach classes, speak in front of classes. Um, we'll dive into that a little deeper later on in the episode, but kind of how I got into the video space through trial and error, test, 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 tested a lot of things, e-commerce, cryptocurrencies, real estate, nothing really worked out for me. Um, I didn't really like anything, I should say. Um, didn't try super hard at it, but knew I wouldn't like those spaces. But through the journey, I was documenting, um, keeping like video logs, and that kind of gained traction. Um, switched over to LinkedIn, actually, for the platform uh, in August of 2018. And from there, I was able to start my own videography company as other clients came to me asking them asking me for their videos. Nice. So that's kind of overall how I started in a quick nutshell. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you, you actually filmed your first video ever on an iPhone. Yes. You didn't even have any gear. And, yep, no no gear. Filmed my first client video even on an iPhone. No kidding. Yep. Nice. Yep. That's that's called improvising, man. See, what yeah. happens is people get too fancy. People they, get people love to be fancy. They love it, and they love to get all this fancy equipment when they have no cash flow coming in, but you said, fuck that. Yeah. I'm just going to make this video on my iPhone. Yeah, so I, videography is very expensive, and that was like one of my struggles to like start the company, is how would I pay for tens of thousands of dollars of equipment when I have a few thousand dollars to my name, I was a pizza cook and baseball manager through high school, um, but I got that first client with just my iPhone with a $40 external mic, and from there just invested all of the money I made back into the company and just kept upgrading gear. Just kept growing, man. Yeah. Love it, dude. What did you do before uh, that you started this company? Yeah, so um, before high school, cut grass for a living, I'd like to say. I was making solid 100 bucks a week, probably. It was awesome. Um, no, but I, that was probably in like elementary and middle school, so I've always loved making money, the process of making money. Not necessarily the money itself, but I've just loved doing something I like to do and actually make money with it. So that took me to high school where I applied to be a pizza cook at a local ski hill and baseball field. Pizza cook in the summer and then I worked on like the snow jumps for like snowboarding and skiing in the winter. So I got to make pizzas in the summer and snowboard for a living in winter. Worked my way up to management positions for both snow park and um, baseball fields through about senior year and junior, senior year in high school. So I was at that manager position, but that winter was just a grind. Like I would stay there till about 4 a.m. every single Friday to just redo redo the park. We call it builds. Um, so I build a bunch of rails and jumps and that kind of stuff. So stay there until about 4 or 5 a.m. every Friday, then be back there around 7 to 8 a.m. to open the park every single Saturday. 
on top of school, on top of sports. So that just really taught me like the hard work aspect. But realized I had enough of that. Um, senior, the end of senior year, um, that winter was my last winter working there. That spring was the last spring working baseball fields. And you decided and then it was time to start something else. Started something. That was when you started just, what did you start into right after that? Uh, E-commerce dropshipping. Yeah. Shopify, shop, yeah, Shopify dropshipping. Made a store, didn't like it, didn't like just staring at a computer. I wasn't really getting any fulfillment out of it. Um, actually, I lied. Before that, I started real estate for a little bit. Um, real estate was actually, a, that is during the school year. I was, um, took a few like courses online on how to start real estate. I didn't really know what to do in there. Um, but really just started that. Didn't like it. E-commerce, didn't like it. But I was documenting through this whole thing, and that's where video came. That's where it all kind of came together. Nice. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And then in April of 2018, that's when you decided it was time to go all in on this? Um, August. August. So even later. Okay. So I stopped my dropshipping store around midsummer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Summer to late or early fall. Late summer, early fall. Stopped that. Realized, hey, video's kind of taking off. Um, hopped over to LinkedIn in that August. And... That's when I went full-time. So late August, early September is when I went full-time into video production. Got you. And that's also when you started Blank Slate came, came a little bit later. In October. October, okay. Yeah, so I actually, I found it October 1st because I wanted to found it before I turned 19. I turned 19 October 3rd. So I started the company when I was 18. Nice. That nice. was just a total selfless, yeah, yeah. selfish. Something that you had to do. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like, man. I want to start this when I'm 18. And when you're being 18, man, that, that presents a little couple challenges when getting clients, man. A little bit. You know, you get a lot of how experienced are you, how old are you kind of thing. Yep. How'd you get through that? Um, let my work show, even though I didn't think it was very good work at the time. Um, it shows. Like, clients like the work, even though I didn't like the work, I really had to trust that. Got that first client just with my iPhone because... Um, he saw something in my videos. And at that time, my I'm not the best videographer in Milwaukee. Not even close. I wasn't at the time. I'm not right now. But because I put out content for myself and I made people fall in love with my story, then people cared about my company when I launched it. So I knew from early on that no one would care about my company, but people would care about me. So I just flipped it. Usually people start a company first, tell people about the company and say, hey, I'm the founder of the company. I did it reverse and said, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I've tried. Um, just releasing those videos, not even talking about, hey, I'll make videos for you. But just once people start seeing your face over and over and over again and the quality is there, people start asking you, hey, can you film videos for me? And I just said yes to every opportunity. So... I could have easily held my age as a um, kind of barrier, which a lot of people do. A lot of 18, 19, 20, 26-year-olds like, hold their age as their biggest liability. Like, oh, I'm only 26 years old. I don't have two decades of experience. Like, What am I supposed to do? But I use that as my greatest advantage early on. Um, I think that's what, what's helped me stick out and really not have any trouble landing clients to start. Yeah. Because I showed them like how to care for my story, not my company. That's awesome. And you bring to the table something that they can't do. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they might be able to produce video. They might be able to keep up on content maybe with running a full on scale business. But you have a whole other <laughs> asset that can help them grow their business and yep. you're young. You know how to use all the technology and stuff too. Yep. That's awesome, man. Turn into an unfair advantage. Nick and I like to talk about that a lot. All the time, yeah. man. Yeah, that's super cool because, yeah, I do feel like a lot of times even uh, Jeff and myself, we get the same, like, how like old are you type question and... You know, it really turns into, you know, that is our unfair advantage. You have the time to try a bunch of different things and just put in just the time and the work that it takes to, like, grow something. And uh, it sounds like you really do prioritize your personal brand. And I find that that's really the way that everything's moving because even look at Subway. You know, Subway was able to utilize a face of a person to drive a deeper connection with their audience and, you know, make that connection. So... How, how important would you say it is for anybody out there trying to grow their own business or even just get to their own goals? How big is a personal brand? Businesses fail, people don't. So people can fail, but that's, we see in entrepreneurship, businesses fail. Unless you're going out and you're a genuinely bad person, that bad person can fail. But for the most part, people don't fail, and your personal brand can't fail unless you mess up and you're like Logan Paul or someone. <laughs> um, no, but I actually like Logan Paul. I just use that analogy just because it's funny. Not funny, but well, I would that's say, a good example. I would say I would say it can fail if you're you're you know not being self-aware and not yep. being authentic. Yep. And it can also fail if you're just not coming through. If you're yeah. not showing up for your followers, it's not going to win. Because you know, that's the only way you can really not win is just to not show up, to yeah. not do, right? Yeah. You know, because eventually you're going to put out some stuff that resonates with you yep. and resonates with your following, and there you go. That's it. That's just a starting place, yeah. you know? Yeah, like businesses can fail, but a personal brand will always be there. So I think it's one of the most important things in business. 100%. That's awesome. Um, I guess along with the personal brand, you know, you have to put yourself out on camera. Did you ever find... It being hard being on hated, camera at first. Yeah. Hated. I absolutely hated being on camera at first. I was so awkward and just so cringy to watch. Like I just hated every every part of it. I had no idea how to film myself. I didn't know what like lighting was. I didn't know how to edit. But just through consistency and trial and error I got better and got better and now I run a videography company. This got better and better, dude. Yep. And now, I remember making our first couple of videos too, cringeworthy, man. But that's that's guess what? That's part yeah. of the process, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's how you get better. And all you're the never time. gonna learn if you don't try. Exactly. And there's something to be said about going through going through the motions and doing, and then watching yourself on camera afterwards and being like, I really like this. I really like this. Wow. Eliminate that as soon as possible. Yep. You know, and that's how you're gonna get better by just listening to yourself over and over and, and just over. look back on that journey, and that's what Gary Vee always says: the documentation process. Mm -hmm. And that's the only reason why I started because I wanted to. I want to be able to look back and say, "Hey, this is the very first business I started um, in 10, 20, 40 years." Hell yeah, dude! So those videos will live on forever, whether yep. I like it or not. <laughs> yeah, they were always be there. You're gonna be happy to have them. Yeah, happy to have them for yeah. sure. And I already am. And I don't even know what that is. Eight, nine months since my first video. It's been just a crazy ride, and it's crazy to see the progression. For sure. Oh, so, um, amongst, uh, so when you start, you know, you obviously figured out you like video, right? Yep. What about business? Let's talk about business. Business is, so what I will yep. see with working with a lot of people is, you know, they have this passion and they have this love for what they do. They love their fitness. They love their chiropractic business. They love doing adjustments on their patients. They love doing training, personal training, but then it comes to starting a business. And what you realize is, you know, making videos and running a business is not the same exact thing. 
You know what I mean? It's not the same thing as being like a personal trainer and helping people train. That's not the same as running an organization. So how have you been able to balance both business and video work? I looked um, as myself as a business owner first, videographer second, or content creator second. I was never a creative. So I've always been a creative kid. I have never taken an art class in my life. I've never like been formally taught video or media productions or art. Last art, I guess I lied again. Uh, I don't even know why you guys had me on here. But <laughs> I took my last art class, I think, in third or fourth grade. So that really taught me a lot about video. Yeah, <laughs> right, um, right. But yeah, it's, that's never been even a thought of mine to go in the arts space. And it's crazy because I still don't view myself running an arts business. But technically it is. Um, I got a few DMs the other day on LinkedIn just asking, hey, how would you get into the arts space? <laughs> And it just blew my mind because it's something I didn't even think about. It's like, right. I'm just running a business. Like, I've always loved business. I've always loved finance. I've always loved numbers and making money, but never in the arts because people say, oh, you can't make money in the arts. But I'm like, mm, yes, you can. You, you can. just don't know how to position yourself. Right. right. Um, and, that's, and that's what these social platforms that I have on yeah. life. It's a whole, you know, when, you, when I think of art, I think of like the Mona Lisa or like some, yeah. some art class you took where the kids are throwing paint on the wall and shit yep. like that. You know what I mean? Yep. I don't, but like the, the form of art has just gone so much further nowadays. And the whole notion of creative has just become insane with all these social social outlooks and all these platforms, man. And it, really is, it really is art. You know, I've never even really thought about it like that, but that's just very true. It really is art. Yeah. But you can start an art business. Yeah, like, just you like can, that. and make a boatload of money doing it. Yeah, and money is not everything, but it helps pay the bills. It helps keep the lights well, on. Well, essentially, <laughs> essentially, it's a tech business at the same time, though. You know, so it's not. It's art. It's art and creative. Yeah, it's creative on how you approach forming everything together. Yep. But it's you know, it's a tech business. And the fact that you're utilizing all this technology to get distribution. And it's a media business, and it's an advertising business, and. It's, it's very new. Right. It's yeah. a new business. Like, yeah, it is. It is. And it's a, it, and it, I, would, I would argue that it's, all, it's a needed business. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the, to, to, to be real, the attention of the consumer will always change, but that's fine. Because right now, the consumer that, attention is where it is, and it's important to leverage that attention to grow a business. Then your business changes. Exactly right. Which is fine. You can pivot and pivot and pivot. No business has ever been successful without a pivot. No, absolutely Amazon not. started selling books online. That's it. Right. Now they control half the internet. I remember Literally. when my dad was at home buying books on Amazon when I was a kid. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just buying books on Amazon. I'm like, what's Amazon? He's like, oh, it's just some big bookstore. Now it's, you can say whatever you want about it. Yeah. It is the biggest store. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. crazy, man. So obviously, obviously, you have had a lot of you know external inspiration, kind of like Nick and I. I all three of us are huge Gary Vee fans. I would argue that Gary is definitely the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing now, along with meeting Nick in school like that. What what kind of inspiration really just allowed you to get into this state of mind to want to make your leap of faith and jump and start your own business? Yeah, so three main celebrities. I could go personal, but I feel like a lot of people go personal, so I want to go more macro which comes from Gary Vee. Um, Gary Vee's a big one, but also Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. Elon was, I guess, uh, Steve Jobs was my first inspiration just because he was so different, but the same at the mm -hmm. same time. Like, he was just an average, smart tech nerd. Actually, not even a tech nerd. He was just a creative. Like, he was a creative guy, and he just did things differently. Like, that's where Think Differently came from. 
So I've always viewed myself as thinking a little differently. Um, and I've just always wanted to pave my own path. But that kind of comes where like Elon is. Like no one in their right mind thinks, oh yeah, I think I can start a rocket ship company and an electric car company and then run them both at the same time. Right. With digging holes in the ground and implementing things into people's brains and everything. But he's just a freak of nature. Like, and yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would say what he does very well is he just looks at everything that we're currently doing and assumes that's the worst way we can possibly be doing it. Yeah. That's like how I would, people have asked, like, how would you describe him? I don't know. I don't know. But I would say that he just looks at us like we're doing the worst things possible. Yeah. Right? He's like, I am going to change the whole entire world yeah. and no one will stop me. Yeah. Straight it's up. just, his mindset is just crazy. And what he will accomplish in his lifetime is just remarkable. It is, man. And I think he's just very good at just being laser focused and working yeah. his ass off. Yeah, like it's, there's not many like him. I think he's the greatest inventor um, of all time. I could say entrepreneur, but I don't even think that encompasses everything he's doing. He's a true inventor. I think he's the greatest of a lifetime. 100%, man. 100%. So you got to talk about some challenges you had starting the business, right? You know, you obviously were young. It was expensive to get in the game. Mm -hmm. um, so what about now? You know, obviously the business is always evolving. You know, where do you see things going and where do you, where are you facing in terms of challenges right now and how do you expect to get above those? Yeah, so right now, one of my biggest challenges is to, f how do I make this business valuable? Sure, I can make $100,000, $200,000 with just, client work like I'm doing right now, um, but that doesn't really build long-term value with the business. Anyone can pick up a camera and get clients. How do I separate myself from the rest and actually build brand and actually build a big company? So that comes with hiring different people and hiring the right people um, and just really building a brand culture that's effective. So I've just been really digging deep into that aspect and kind of just seeing where I want to take the company. I've still only been in business for a few months now. Yeah, sales have been great, um, way more than anticipated, way better than anticipated, but that's it's still unsecure in the future. Yeah. So I want to definitely get more secure, get way bigger clients, um, longer term clients, but really just do things differently. Yeah. But I'm figuring that out right now. Right. It's all... I like what you said about the culture, too. Um, I actually had a conversation with Q. Him and I went and had uh, coffee one morning. Okay. He, he talked about how he was just massively obsessed with company culture right now. And I think that's one thing that becomes evident in not only his work, but all of their work, is that they're all producers. They're all creators. They're all, you know contributors to one's brand they're all you know what i mean it's I, it's not just q running the show it's not just easy it's not just did it's every single one of them just contributing to their bottom line and encouraging all of their community and all of their staff to you know have that same brand yeah and i think that really does such a long way absolutely honestly. absolutely yeah man you should uh, i'm in the middle of reading a book right now it's called culture code you should read it oh yeah um, that's actually inspired by q to read that one too so cool you i will check that out man because i think that's huge i think that's something that people don't think about too and like it really is about creating that sense of security with everyone you work with, man. It's about how, what are you going to be able to do to make people feel comfortable working with you? Yeah, you know, absolutely. That's awesome, man. I think that's huge. And that, no, that's important because getting the client comfortable working with you is something I've definitely focused on. Because like I said, I'm not the best videographer in Milwaukee by any means. But people care about me and I'm personable and... I have good client relationships, mm -hmm. and they bet on you, not necessarily the business. That's 100%. I mean, we talk about that all the time. Relationship, the relationship piece. Relationship piece is everything, man. Yep. And honestly, 
I'll tell you what, after working at, I've been a business where I did account management and I have managed, you know, contractors all the time, which is a tough gig. The relationship piece will save you a lot of the time, but again, you have, you have to perform. I, I used yeah. to say the relationship piece will save everything. That's not true. People will only put up with so much if you underperform, honestly. But if you constantly come to the table with new ideas and are showing up with those ideas and implementing those ideas, the relationship piece will save a business for sure. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. A thousand percent. Oh yeah, man. Well, I mean, speaking of relationships, we met you initially at uh, Hashtag MKE, so digital marketing meetup type event. And uh, so, I mean, that it just opens all the, opens a ton of doors, making relationships with people in person and going to all these like networking events. How have you felt that networking has changed, you know, your your business and just your outlook in general? 100%. It's the one of the most important things I've done. I'll tell you guys a little story. So we'll rewind it back to February of 2018, so February of last year, pretty much actually a year ago. Um, I went to an Emerge event, started in Milwaukee at Marquette. Um, they had a blockchain Emerge event. So that is big into the crypto space. Um, I was like, ooh, cool. Like one of my other colleagues invited me. He's like, hey, you should really go to this. It would be cool. Like you've never been to a networking event before. Just meet a bunch of like-minded individuals. So I went there, was so terrified I brought my dad with me because I was, I was still only 18 at the time. That's not even really only because I was an official adult. But I was super scared. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what networking even was. I just knew they wore suits and ties and that stuff terrified me. So brought him with. Event went fine, met a few people, um, but it really opened my eyes to what I needed to do to meet new people and really get my name out there. So then I just kept going to a few um, throughout that summer, throughout that fall, and then fast forward to the end of the fall um, with Startup Wisconsin, Startup Wisconsin Week, Startup Milwaukee Week. I was actually filming for Startup Milwaukee, so I was their main filmer throughout the week. I partnered with Marquette. So that is in the matter of pretty much 10 to 11 months. I went from my very first networking event to filming for both hosting companies. Damn, that's crazy. So networking's Number networking one, yeah. everything. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Both online and offline. Absolutely. And I think that like obviously being able to get that in person connection, that's obviously how we got you in here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I see your content for sure. Yep. You know what I mean? But like that's how we actually like of course. started having a good connection. Yeah, that's huge, man. It allows you to grow as a person and, and as a business owner. Do you do any uh, strategizing of taking online relationships offline and meeting up in person? Yeah, definitely. I I love sitting down and getting coffee with people. Um like anyone else that likes networking. I love bringing that online connection offline and that's why I'm hitting speaking harder in 2019. So I have a few speaking gigs lined up, but that's a chance for me to um, bring my online presence offline and really put a face behind social media. For sure. How do you go about, uh, you don't need to go into all details, but what, what was one of your strategies to land some speaking engagements? Um, really just put out content revolving around speaking. Um, so people know, oh, Sam's looking for speaking gigs. So I have two more lined up. I just had my first few weeks ago down in Rockford, Illinois. Um, Saw that. Congrats on that. Thank you. Yeah, that thank you. Huge. means a lot. No, that was my first, I guess, professional speaking gig, as you will. Uh, I spoke all through high school. I've spoken to my school. So I've, I've never really been anxious um, speaking in front of people. Public speaking has been just a thing that I've done for a while. For sure. So going into that first professional speaking event, um, I, I really wasn't nervous. I knew what to say. I knew I could tell my story. I do it every single day. 
I watch myself in front of a camera every day. So I was already comfortable and now it's just a matter of time um, when I can land bigger speaking engagements and maybe get paid for them. Wink, wink, someone out there listening, watching. Um, yeah. So, so let, me, let, me, let me challenge you a little yeah, bit on this, right? So you, say, you said that you, speak, you spoke in high school mm -hmm. and you've spoken other places and you weren't nervous. But when you spoke in front of the camera, you were nervous as shit. And that's such a funny trend, dude. Mm -hmm. That is the funniest trend. Because you will see people, we've worked with people that speak in front of classes, that speak in front of this and that. And you put them in front of a camera, whole world's going to end. And I, I'm like, let's talk about like more, let's go a little bit deeper. Like, why do you think people freak out in front of the camera and not so much when they're in person? Because they don't listen to themselves every day. Right. People just love to talk and talk and talk and talk, but they don't actually listen. And especially listening to yourself, you're like, oh, I sound like that. I carry myself with that type of attitude and the type of swag. Like, people don't like it. People are freaked out about it. So people like to talk. People don't like to listen, especially to themselves. Do you think it has to do anything with it being, um, like, the camera is, like, a more permanent aspect? Yep. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, even if these people aren't going to see themselves speaking at a later time, like, maybe someone's recording a video of this and we're not going to see it. You know, but like potentially they freak out because when they see a camera, they think the whole world is going to see it. It's permanent. Like I can't go back. You yeah. know what I mean? That's how I, I mean, that's how I kind of look at it too sometimes. Like not only they don't listen, but it's also like not going to go away. Yeah. And like yourself is your biggest, you are your biggest doubter and your biggest critic and your biggest hater. Like that's all on you and that's hard to overcome and video just exposes all of that. Right. You could pick apart every single thing about the video and said, well, I could have phrased this differently. I could have not mumbled on this word. I stuttered in this word. Like right now, I give almost all creative freedoms to my editors. Like I don't really have any say into editing. Yes, I can make tweaks all I want, but handing over that freedom and giving the trust to them is just a huge step into creativity because you're your own worst critic. It is. So getting uh, over so that. And, and I think just doing over and over and over again, which is partially why you create every day, while we're all creating every day, is because like you just got to get better and you've got to be learn to accept yourself. And I think even when we first started, you know, we were using filler words all the time and saying stuff we shouldn't be saying. And like, you, you, you learn, just, you just get better. And like, it's, it's not even one of those things where people will think like he's subconsciously thinking about not saying that word. It's like, no, it's like, I'm really not. What I've done is just done it over and over and over again. And I constantly thought I don't want to be saying the word like or the word, you know, you're right or the word 100% like I say all the time. But it's just like you see yourself saying that all the time and then you just, I don't want to say it, I don't want to say it. And then eventually you just don't say it. And eventually you just get over that hump. It's the weirdest thing. 100%. 100%. <laughs> he gets it, man. He gets it. No, just consistency. Consistency You, is you get better over time with anything you do. If you stay consistent at something you're bound to get good sometime. If you have 12, 13, 14 hours a day through anything, I could be the best videographer if I have 24 hours a day every single day. I could be the best bocce ball player if I just focused on bocce ball. Right. Like It just really boils down to consistency and how much you practice. And the words of Gary Vee, if you put in 14 hours of something every single day for 10 plus years and you still suck at it, you really did lose. Yeah, you really did. You lose. really because like I don't think you can actually do that. I think that human, you like, you have to learn. Humans yeah. learn. We're all adaptive creatures, man. We're gonna learn. Yeah, doing something every day is one thing, but doing every doing something every day, but learning day by day is important. If you suck at video but don't improve and just keep talking and talking every day but don't 
like critique yourself in the good way, in the best way possible, and learn from those mistakes, you're not going to get better. If you just say the same exact thing every single time, you're not going to get better. Yeah. So it's just really about improving and looking back and reflecting on those past videos specifically. 100%. See, said it again. Yeah, we improved that, but that's all right, though, because we're here. <laughs> you're aware of it because you're doing it. That's exactly right, man. So let's go back to the, to the just your company in general, Blank Slate. Yep. How did you come up with that name, and what does it mean to you? Um, I started Blank Slate because I started with a blank slate. A lot of people start with a physical blank slate. They have an open canvas, and this is something I've definitely wanted to hone in on. Um, being 18 years old when I started, I have the my whole entire life in front of me with zero caved carved paths so I could really pave my own way and that's something I'm really honing into there's no one in my life that tells me what to do and I have to listen to them like I truly truly create my own way 100% of the time like it's my company I'm doing what I want I could stop tomorrow if I really wanted to I could hire someone else like I have that freedom um, so just really starting with a blank slate and it's what I like to do. Like you have a blank slate. I keep reiterating that, but everyone does. So finding that path that you like is super important. So I want to help other people get to that path. Right. And so it's almost like even twisting on that too. It's like the blank slate of some business that needs content. Yep. And you're creating that blank slate or that open canvas for them to start honing in on their brand. And you're going to help create that. Yeah. So say a brand has seven Instagram posts. That's a blank slate. That's you a can, blank slate. You can take it any direction you want. And it's really up to the business and my company to help create that canvas. That's awesome, dude. That's a super actually unique name too. Thank you. Yeah, dude. I just wanted to ask about that for sure, because like I said, I took one look at that. You 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 spelled a little bit different. You took out the A. Yeah, that was just because it's a little different. Because it's just a little, a little bit different. Yep, catches people's eyes. It's like, what is this? Blank slate, blink slate, blink slate. It's like blank yeah. slate. What kind of slates are there? It's blank. It's not that hard, right. but it's just something a little different. For sure. So, how would you say that um, you're impacting people on an everyday basis? And I know that's a pretty broad question. Um, obviously, you're creating you know media for other organizations. You're creating your own content that's not only reflecting who you are as a person, but it's also inspiring. It's also leveraging business for you. But like at the end of the day, if you were to say like I impact people by doing, what would that doing be? Opening people's eyes to a untraditional way of thinking, which is becoming more traditional, thankfully. But I think I have one of the biggest impacts on other kids' moms, moms and dads. I shouldn't specifically say moms. Just because I've talked to a lot of people with kids my age, and that's become a norm for me. I've been just talking to parents on LinkedIn, which is kind of a little weird if you think about it, but not really at the same time. So these, I guess, adults, these other acquaintances have kids my age, which I don't I don't see that difference. Like it's like it's just another connection. But it's like, oh, say my son, I don't know if he wants to go to school or not. What should what should we allow him to do? We don't really have the funds for it, so I'm really helping other families like decide like, hey, you don't need to go to school to be successful. Like do what you want. There's a very large world out there. It's almost like it's a blank slate, but just really Really inspiring and 
having other people look at things. This college um, debate is super interesting and something I can hone in on. Um, but that's one of the biggest like kind of influences I have. And the kids, from a standpoint, like, oh, this 18, 19 year old kid can do it. Why can't I? Let's right. let's start something. So. So as two people, Nick and I, that went to college, I would agree with that completely. It's because the Internet of Things is insane. Yeah. I mean, you can learn whatever you want anytime. Yep. Right. So it's and that's why it's so important to be like very specialized right now is because everyone can learn surface level stuff really quickly. Yep. And I think that just him and I talk all the time. You know, what are your thoughts? You know, in 50, 50 years from now, will colleges be as big? No, as, that's my I, I don't think in five years. It'll be. I don't yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it will be either because I think people will realize that they don't need that physics class to be good at biology, to be good at being a veterinarian. You know, they didn't need that calculus class to be able to do what you know to do what they want to record a video of their friends and make good content. You know, yeah. like, you don't need that. Like for some professions, you do. Like I don't want my surgeon to be taught on YouTube. Like I don't want a self-taught YouTube surgeon. Right. But I'll take a self-taught YouTube videographer any day of the week. For sure. So obviously, there's things that you need college. Um, is it worth worth the price tag it's at right now? No, I don't think so. But for some professions, yes, obviously you need to go. If you want to be a teacher or a doctor or a nurse, there's professions that need college. But more often than not, you don't need college. That's what I think, too. I think you need some sort of further education besides high school, obviously. And But I think that, you know, especially people like your shoes, you know, if you know what you're going to do right away, just try and do that yeah. because that's going to get you the furthest. My other advice would be don't if you don't know what you're going to do, don't waste 50, 50 to $100,000 trying to figure that out because I promise you at the end of the day, doing is a lot more different than theorizing that you're going to do in school. Yep. I just don't see how people, like, an you can get an entrepreneurship degree in school. Like, that goes against everything entrepreneurial there is like like UW Young's starting a new entrepreneurship center over there man. like that's great but like why would someone take a class on entrepreneurship when entrepreneurship is about going out and doing it yourself and trying and testing yep. and um it's interesting when you said you want kids to have a you think kids need a secondary education after high school and that's super important because the minute you stop learning is the minute you stop growing. So people constantly need to be learning, whether that's through school or YouTube or online courses or sitting down on a secondary entrepreneurial skills accelerator. Learning is something everyone needs to do, but people get caught up on, just because I'm not a student, I don't need to learn, which is completely false. Because like I said, if you stop learning, you stop growing. If you're not learning in school, you should be obligated to learn more so what you want to be learning. You, know, yep. you got more time. You're not going to school, man. You got all the time in the world to learn this videography or this whatever you whatever want. You want right? And that's something I've like taken. There's no way I could start this business and get to where I am right now if I was still in school. Because yep. that's six, seven, eight hours a day. I can't be focusing on something else, something I want to do. Right. And with school, you know, they have set uh, curriculums that you have to go by and there's a lot of fluff in there. There's a lot of fluff in there that you don't use, so it's wasting your time. As long as you're a motivated individual and you can, you know, really continuously learn, which it should be something that you love. That way, learning isn't hard. It's fun for you. That's how you're going to, like, make it. Like, again, going back, the internet makes everything so accessible that that's why you have to do something that you love because now it's not only a competition of everybody in your geographic area. 
it's you're against the world. Everybody has access to data now. Everybody has access to all this information. So the people who go the hardest are the experts, and the experts win. So that's how bad do you want it? Right, hundred percent. And that's why I I really don't think you need a college degree. For some things you do, but I really don't think you will need one. Nick and I don't even use our college degree, man. Same thing with 73% of the other people. Oh, yeah, dude. And that's what's insane, too, is it's like these levels of, you know, college and schooling and stuff like that. And then it's like, it's all, it's a lot of this theory. It's not all theory. You know, towards the end of it, you go and, you know, you go in and you practice and you go into these actual real environments. But at the same time, it's like there's so much theory and it might be all great and grand. But when you get into the actual practice, like, how much are you actually going to fucking like it? You yeah. know, that's the risk you're taking. That is the risk you're taking. You're assuming that risk by going to school. You're actually assuming that you're going to graduate and you're going to just love this shit. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the biggest assumption to make, especially with the price point nowadays. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Yeah, just like you said, entrepreneurship degree. You know, you're better off taking a hundred grand and blowing it, trying to sell it, sell yeah. stuff, and you'll learn way off more. hundred grand and running Facebook ads for your own company, yeah, and hoping to get leads right. rather than putting it in that university. Yeah, right. that's that's just my opinion. And like, or a hundred grand, try a hundred different things for a grand a piece. Right, yeah. right, oh, yeah. right. Exactly. Oh my. Goodness. Spend fifty thousand dollars. Figure out what you want to do, and then spend fifty thousand dollars more marketing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, there's just so many different ways to do it. It's actually really funny. On, um, I was on LinkedIn yesterday, Super Bowl Sunday, and Izzy of the Misfits, yep. he posted something, and it was based, it was based on Super Bowl ads, yep. and it was five, the $5 million price point for like 30 seconds of an advertisement, and he's, his question was, is that price point worth it? And there's a lot, there's some people that said yes, and like, if you have cash flow, like, potentially that is worth it, because obviously people do it, you know what I mean? But like, if you're a smaller business, potentially you could take that $5 million and spread that over so many different platforms and try so much different stuff to see what's going to work, you know, and just keep trial and error. That's kind of the same notion with that, you know, it's like, is it all good to go all in on college and spend $5 million on college? Not $5 million, but $100,000 to go to school, or is it good to spend $100,000 just trying a bunch of stuff to figure out what you love? I thought it was interesting. Wix ran a website, you know, Wix. Mm -hmm. Like they had a Super Bowl ad and Super Bowl commercial, but it's the same exact commercial that pops up on my YouTube channel every single time I watch a video. So that's just interesting. That's the one that stood out to me. Um, How do you feel about that? It's interesting. I would want to see how much they're spending running YouTube ads because I know they're getting more leads from YouTube than the Super Bowl commercial. But it shows they have pretty deep pockets, obviously, because they're, sure. they're dropping $5 million on 30 seconds. Yeah. And I don't know. I, you know, I think that you know, a lot and of great advertising. But I could be wrong. They could be making $13 million yeah. that night on just that ad. Like, and you don't know. I don't know. And potentially, they don't know either. They're just trying it out because they have cash flow to try. Yep. Right. They're just trying to figure out what attention is going to resonate with their product. Yeah. You know? So it's like, maybe you don't know. Maybe you're just trying shit. Yeah. I mean, out of any TV ad, Super Bowl ad is probably the one to do. Other yeah. than that. Like, well, Gary says, like, hey, all commercials are completely useless besides the Super Bowl if you can afford it. Yeah. Companies like Bud Light and Doritos, like, they can afford it. Like, they have billion-dollar marketing. They crush money. it. They are. They obviously probably the best commercials out of all of them. It seems yeah. like, like, this is the one that I remember. Yeah, they're not sweating. Just remember, there's no corn syrup in Bud Light. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the commercials yesterday. How weird is that? And man? it's original, but now it's hot with Chance the Rapper. Yeah, exactly. That was a great commercial too, man. Yeah, see, I think what a lot of the great entrepreneurs and marketers do is there's not like there's not like one right platform. 
There's no. not one space that's just going to yield the maximum return over. Yeah, you might take off on LinkedIn, you might take off on Instagram, you might take off on YouTube, but like it doesn't mean that all the other channels aren't good. It doesn't mean there's not attention in different spaces. So it's all about just, just distributing to all these different spaces and just being consistent with it and trying different messages and see what resonates well. I'm just trying, man. It really is just trying. Like it's just figuring yeah. out what the consumer wants to see and where you can meet them at a halfway point. Right. Sam, what's your what's your thoughts on what's your thoughts on playing the algorithm compared right. yeah, to just like putting out content? I don't like it. There's there's ways to do both. Yes, you can algorithm and growth hack all you want, um, but I resonate with a organic growth um, document the journey standpoint rather than hey let's spend eight hours a day figuring out what the next hot content is and what LinkedIn is favoriting and Instagram is favoriting and if LinkedIn video does better like should I just do all video and then no post and no text um, so just spread out the content if you're best at video do video but if you suck at video do written do pictures um, find out what works for you and just stop focusing on the algorithm do you ever switch up your own content to see how it plays out? Yeah, All the time. I switch up every single week. I switch camera angles. I switch cameras. I shoot with different audio, different lighting, um, more just text posts, more uh, just picture posts. Um, Probably how you word the text post and the written part of the video. Yeah, right it's now. just all trial and error and learn from your mistakes. And not even mistakes, just past experiences. So just always test new things. Yeah, I would agree with that too. What do you, how do you, um, in terms of your content creation, obviously you have someone that's on deck now to help you with that. Do you, you do a lot of your content at once or is it more of a document thing when you kind of just do it in the moment or would you both, both a little bit? I document every day as far as like Instagram stories and Snapchat stories and just run and gun shooting. But I also sit down, I actually, um, allocate Mondays now on to just knock out all my set videos for the week. So I try to get seven or eight done that day. And then just give it to my editor and say, hey, I want these posts at these times. Just send them over to me. I still post all of them. I still engage. He just edits them. Um, so that allows me to move faster and frees up time for myself. That's something that him and I were working to implement, too. It's just like we're just going to do that on Fridays. You know, just yep. create a bunch of content together. Yep. That's a good strategy, you believe, huh? Yeah. I think so, too. I need to work more on that, too. You know, I've been talking a lot about batching and putting shit together and not refocusing efforts all the time. But, you know, it's becomes tough when you're doing all this stuff at once. Obviously, you yeah. know it too. You know. Absolutely, and still bringing value in it. Is that content actually useful to a person out there? Right. Um, so yeah. just don't, don't post just to post. Post to document or bring value. I would agree with that completely. Right. Yeah. How do you um, use, how do you like stay organized with all your footage and stuff? Again, you have another guy on your team that helps out with that, but when you were starting out, how did you find yourself staying organized? Like not only in just video, but like in your day-to-day, -day, do you like certain kind of like apps to help you stay organized or what do you do yeah so right now i'm using trello as a big one that's what we use trello trello is nice i trello's use sweet honestly yeah i didn't always use that when i first started i was pretty all over the place for the most part i am a fairly organized person i've always been organized in school and stuff so when i was first starting it wasn't too bad i was just using google calendar made mm -hmm. sure everything was set and just kept going but then once i started getting busier I started using Trello to really focus on like my daily highlights, what I'm really going to focus on today, what videos I need to shoot, what videos I need to edit. So I have a few different Trello boards, one for just personal daily stuff, 
I'm just focusing on to-do lists and, um, like, like I said, highlights, events I need to go to, and then I have one for personal videos where I kind of have um, like a weekly thing, like Sunday through Saturday, what content is being posted when, um, like a brain dump of just random video ideas I have. Um, another section where it says to film, so I need to shoot shoot these, I need to edit these, I need to post these, so I have that all broken down, um, what I still need to pay for with the editors, so everything's way more organized now than I first started, Yeah. but hiring someone definitely helps definitely with that, for help. sure. Yeah, man, Trello has definitely become a big part. I was not a big fan of Trello when we first started using it. I'm like, what the, I'm like, what the fuck are these cards and the boards and what the hell? There's a checklist in the card, but like, once you get it, it's sweet. Yeah. It's smooth. And I, we'll put a link to Trello in the bottom here because I think Trello is a super good tool to use. This is not sure. a paid promotion for Trello, but Trello, if you're watching this, I will accept your money <laughs> yeah. any day of the if week. If you want us to be influenced with Trello, I'll sit here for the next five hours and talk about Trello. We'll, go ahead. <laughs> we'll start right now. Just let us know Trello for sure. <laughs> Nice, man. It's nice to be organized. I would say I'm a pretty organized person, too. Nick's definitely a little bit more organized than me in terms of, like, just day-to-day shit, which is funny because I would have thought the opposite when we were in school, honestly. Nick, Nick had no fucking clue what assignments we were doing in school. I was, just, I was just school. getting by, you know? <laughs> getting by. Made it happen. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think we, it's all about balancing that. You saw, there's no right, again, there's no right solution to anything. It's all about what works for you, man. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Where do you, where do you draw your inspiration for creating content? Um, definitely Gary. I, I've been trying to kind of tackle it as a cinematic Gary type deal. Like still, cause I'm a videographer first and foremost. So my videos can't be shit. Like I can't have awful quality videos yep. when I run a videography company. So that's something a little different than Gary can do. Um, just cause he's all about as much content as possible, which I'm also about, like I try to post as much as possible and I've gotten better at not caring. Hey, I say, um, or but, or the lighting is a little off. It goes out of focus for three seconds. Like those things, everyone, no video is absolutely perfect. Like that's what I've gotten over. So definitely a mix of, Hey, how do I stay with this professional level content, but post as much as possible and show up every single yep. day yeah no for sure yeah you know i used to spend a lot of time and nick did too comparing like to gary b and stuff he's a great person compared to his content supplier but gary also has 20 people that work for him every single day to create content. 31 31 30 Sorry. <laughs> totally, totally off totally he's gone he's gone to 30 he's, he's gone off the deep end more. he's gone off the deep end but yeah i mean it's, it's definitely important yeah, yeah he's he's incredible I mean, it's even fun to like watch his behind the scenes kind of guys, D-Rock yeah. and all those guys, and just see how they all bring it come together, you know. So. And it's it's more like I watch what he's actually doing, not what he's saying. Not what he's saying. He says yeah. that a lot. Like at the first, I definitely he's still saying good stuff, but I know everything he's gonna say in every single video. Like that's I've heard right. it in some way possible. That's how we are too. But it's interesting watching him evolve and what he's doing in content and. That. And just how he tries, he just tries different stuff from even like the the clickbait on his Instagram to, you know, mm-hmm. just what he's posting on LinkedIn to yep. just, it's just, he's always trying new shit too. It's not like he's perfect. I mean, he's perfected it as much as you can per se, but it's always new. Yeah. It's always relevant too. Yep. Well, I think that's why I think there is a little bit of strategy behind his brand to where he's always saying the same messages to where if you listen to him enough, 
you're going to get burnt out on just listening to him. So oh, then yeah. it turns into you have to go out and actually do. And like, and then you're, then wants. you're watching yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's like, that's yeah. a strategy. Like he doesn't want you just listening. No. Like he doesn't give a fuck if you just listen and not do anything. He wants you to do stuff and stop listening to him. Right. Which is And cool. that's kind of like where we're at. I mean, I don't, I used to listen to Gary Vee like it was a religion. Probably the only thing close to religion I've ever had. Honestly, yeah. Like straight up was Gary Vee. And like, I don't consume a whole lot of Gary Vee anymore because no. I'll watch it now and I'll be like, I love it. He's a great man. He kills it. It's a fire video. I've already heard it. I've already heard it. Yep. You know, and that's what he wants. You know, it makes yeah. me like he's one human. You know, you can only say so much different stuff. I mean, he's yeah. very good at saying his common things in different ways all the time. Would, yeah, which is definitely what I'm watching. Like, yeah, I don't watch the whole twelve minute vlog every single day. It, yeah, or the six and a half hour vlog in Miami. Yeah. Right, right. But it's it's interesting what he's doing in culture. Yeah. Like, man. I'll support him on K Swiss deals. Like. That's sweet. He's going to turn K-Swiss around. Yeah, I saw you got a pair of those. And that's that's cool, yeah. yeah. Just because I like to support people. Hey, I, like I, bought, I bought Crushing it the day it came out. Yep. And I st- have I still read it cover to cover? Absolutely not. But I support it right <laughs> when it book. came out. Yeah. <laughs> I read the first, like, 50 pages. Great book, man. <laughs> what's, your, what's your thoughts on uh, storytelling? Oh, it's it's how I've built my business. And I, that's how I've gotten people to care about myself, like, storytelling is everything and if you say you don't have a story you're just not trying hard enough because every single person has a story to tell um you're obligated to share it yeah and i want to help people share it so so is your strategy do you pull on events from your past Mm -hmm. and try and tie it into currently what you're doing and kind of how it goes forward yeah yeah past present future that's kind of how i tackle any clients um i just ask them hey what have you done in the past and kind of break them down in the best way possible um, and pull from those past events, how has that shaped you right now, and what are you going to do to shape yourself in the future, and just really tie all tie of those together. Those. So storytelling is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's incredible what an effective story can do for a business, man. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, business, like even Apple, I mean, you reference Steve Jobs, I mean, he talks about, he talks about storytelling indirectly in the 90s. Yeah. He talks about people not having a lot, a lot of time for attention. I mean, this is in 1995, 97, dude, like, that's how you understand that's where shit's going, too, yeah. you know? Yep. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on here. Thank you guys for, for having me. It's been a lot yeah, of there's a lot of, a lot of good... A lot of good content out here, man. Yeah. You guys should follow Sam on all his social platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, wherever what else You'll you You'll find me. YouTube, 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 YouTube. Snapchat, TikTok. You name uh, it. Yeah, you, you really name it. He's gonna he's creating his own Spotify playlist sometime soon here, too. So watch out for that. <laughs> I love that one. The podcast's coming soon. I guess that could be on Spotify. Podcast coming soon, for sure, man. And I'm glad yeah, to have you as a, a guest on here. A lot of valuable insight. And I hope yeah, you thank continue you guys. to crush your business in 2019. And you we too, as well. I look forward to seeing your content, for sure, man. Appreciate awesome. it, Sam. Appreciate thank you, you man.